your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 318 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by The Locker Room. Download The Locker Room app and join Pilsy and I this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to get in on the conversation. It's interactive radio, Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Well, the timing was perfect right after we have our final end-of-season awards on yesterday's show. The Senators announced their nominee for the King Clancy Award. Each team gets to nominate their own player. It exemplifies on- and off-ice leadership ability. We'll tell you who the Sens nominee, how he stacks up against the competition. We also have Belleville Senators back in action. Two games back-to-back to finish off the regular season for them, and we'll get into that. We'll also have the answer to our trivia question. We had so close to the correct answer on Twitter. Didn't quite get there. We'll unveil that. And you're cheering for the Vancouver Canucks today. We'll tell you why. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, May 19th, and Pilsy, we put out all 10 of our awards and nominees out on Twitter at Send Central yesterday. The results are pouring in, very similar to ours, but how did we snub Thomas Shabbat from the award where an hour after the episode's recorded, he gets nominated for the King Clancy Award? It is pretty hilarious, the timing of that. We picked three guys, and we picked all the assistant captains other than Thomas Shabbat. So in our defense, we we were close. We just didn't have four options for every single award. But, yeah, that's a, a bit of a hilarious snub by us that uh, three players we select for the more prestigious Daniel Alfredson Awards presented by Send Central and the Locked On Senators podcast. Thomas Shabbat was not a part of that, but the Senators, they they threw him a bone and nominated him for the King Clancy Award in the NHL. Funniest part of all of it is we named the award the Alfie Award. Daniel Alfredson is a King Clancy Award winner back in 2012. I mentioned off the top, each team gets to select one of their players, and it's a wide-ranging um, style of player, right? You have the stars like Sidney Crosby and John Tavares and Marc-Andre Fleury, but there's also guys who fly under the radar on their own teams. Most notably, I think Kyle Turris. It's great to see, even though he didn't have the success on the ice this year, that he's still being recognized and people around Ottawa know the amazing work that he did with the capital city condors among other organizations during his time in Ottawa. So Shout out to Thomas Shabbat and shout out to Sens Abroad, Kyle Turris, for both being nominated for this great award. Yeah, and it really is a great award. And I think you make a good point there. Like Kyle Turris, sure, the on-ice stuff hasn't been working for him. But off-ice, he's still doing what he what he's always done and what Sens fans know he he does off-ice. So stick taps to him. And yeah, Ross, the, the definition for the award is... 
the King Clancy Memorial Trophy is awarded to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in his community. So Thomas Shabbat, I'm not sure what uh, what the contributions he's made, to be honest. Like we just haven't haven't heard, but I'm sure he's a great guy in the community. And this is a guy who leads on the ice for sure. I think when you're the number one defenseman on a young team and you're a young guy yourself, it takes a lot of leadership qualities to be able to handle all that responsibility that he takes on. So I think it's a great choice for the King Clancy, for the Ottawa Senators. I think what really happened here is a lot of people thought that maybe this was the Ottawa Senators hinting at the fact that this could be their next captain. Did you take anything into account with that? I don't. I think it's more just respecting the work that Thomas Schwartz did. I wish that the article the Senators put out would have included what he's being nominated for. I think that would have been uh, some good research to, for us to know as fans, but I'm not going to go so galaxy brain as to think that this means that anybody but Brady Kachuk will be wearing the captaincy for the Ottawa Senators for years to come. One spin zone I will give you, though, is if they had named Brady Kachuk as the nominee, would that have given him more leverage in negotiations for his new contract this summer? That's an interesting point because you know the Senators think with an agenda on their mind, and that agenda is dollars and cents. So that's very interesting because the last thing you want to do is give Brady Kachuk more firepower and more leverage in those contract negotiations if you're the Ottawa Senator. So that's an interesting way to look at it. And hey, they're like, Thomas Shabbat, he's already locked up. So we'll give him all that leverage. It won't hurt us in the end. So maybe you got to, maybe you're onto something there, Ross. To take it a step further, Brady Kachuk was the Senator's nominee for this award last year. So he has already been. Just that. So maybe that takes a part of it as well, right? You you have one year Brady, the next year Thomas Shabbat. Yeah, and that's interesting too. But I think really maybe we're getting too wrapped up in the word leadership here. I think this award more tips its cap to the stuff off ice and contributing to your community. Like last year's award winner was Matt Dumba, who uh, obviously, if you remember all the social injustice problems that were going on in the state of Minnesota, and Matt Dumba was a big part of, you know, stepping up and being a hockey player that showed he cared about those kinds of things. And I think he was definitely deserving of that award. So that just goes you to show what the award's trying to promote. So it's not necessarily like the Minnesota wild management are like, well, we better get the C on Dumba now. Like, I don't think that's really the, the angle of this award. So just keep that in mind here, Sense fans. Previous to Brady Kachuk, the two years prior, both Mark Borowiecki as the Senators nominee there. So stick taps to Thomas Shabbat for this prestigious nomination. I don't know if he's in the top end of the category. I'm not sure exactly. As you mentioned, it's more so what they do off the ice. So I don't know all 31 backgrounds and their stories, but just to have your name in that hat is some pretty prestigious company. So congratulations to Thomas Shabbat. Pilsy, we're getting lots of good feedback from our award show from yesterday. Were any of the polls that we put out surprising to you results-wise? No, I don't think so. Most of them were pretty dead on to what we had and uh, the guys we actually gave the awards out to. So I think really the the most prestigious one was who are the best fans, go, sends, or go. And uh, <laughs> luckily it was the it was the sends. I picked the middle one. So uh, we're, we're still on point there. Yeah, lots of these 90% or more agree. I'll run through them all and then we'll get into some playoff talk. Check in on our sends abroad. We've got the Belleville Senators coming up tonight and... 
the Vancouver Canucks play at 3.30. And as a Sens fan, you have to cheer for them. We'll tell you all that about why after we get through these lists. So the goalie of the year, we had Philip Gustafson and 95% of the voters agreed with us. Matt Murray had a minuscule 2.6%. Kim in second and Anton Forsberg at 2% to finish it off. Goalie of the future, a little bit closer, but Gustafson turning a lot of heads, Pilsy. 68% have him here. Did you find it interesting, though, that Mad Sogard finishes second well ahead of Joey Decord? I think it, that's a recency bias, probably. I mean, Mad Sogard going 6-0 and in his AHL start to his career is pretty impressive. And yeah, I'm not surprised that most people voted Philip Gustafson. Again, recency biased. Uh, that's definitely a correct answer. Like, I think either Sogard or Gustafson is kind of what we're looking at here because both these guys came onto the scene in their new respective pro leagues and just absolutely dominated and were a big reason why their teams were able to win games. So either one of these guys is a good answer. And I'm not, what's the age difference? Two years between Sogard and Gustafson, probably something like that. Yeah. One or two, no, two or three, I would say, because Gus is 22 turning 23 and Sogard is 19 turning 20. Yeah, so so that makes sense. I more lean towards Sogard because he was younger and kind of had a bit more of a runway. And with the Seattle expansion draft, Philly franchise may not be here <laughs> come next season. So that'll be interesting to watch as well. Both of those two have higher draft pedigree as well with Philip Gustafson 55th overall back in 2016 and Mad Sogard going 37th overall in the 2019 draft. So three years behind him, Pilsy, in age. Whereas Decord, Great story, 199th overall. Again, not his fault he got hurt, but he was turning some heads too. I'll just remind people of that in February when he beat the Toronto Maple Leafs and had a few other real nice starts mixed in there. Our King Carl Ward going to the team's best defenseman, no doubt 72.5% going with Thomas Shabbat. I was actually almost surprised that Zub took home over a quarter of the votes here Rookie of the year, Zub wasn't so lucky. Only 4% there. Josh Norris, the majority leader at 85% of your votes. For most improved player, this one was a little bit closer. Only 4.5% agreed with you, though, Pilsy, with uh, Matt Murray getting a nod there. Eric Brandstrom at 30%. Of course, ice time and opportunity led to his greater impact on the game. And Connor Brown at 64%. Remember how elite prospects called Jake Sanderson Mr. Medals? Because... All yep. of the ways they ranked players. He was in top three in all of them. Well, Connor Brown's just that for the Ottawa Senators. He also finishes in a tie for second for the Daniel Alfredson Leadership Award. Um, I'm surprised. It says no other for write-in votes, although many wrote us saying Thomas Shabbat. But Brady Kachuk, it's his to lose. 78% of the votes there. But Pilsy, this one's the closest. Who did you vote for here? The Neil Dog Award to the best exemplified grit and determination. Nick Paul, Brady Kachuk, Austin Watson. That's about as close as it gets this poll. Yeah, this one was much closer. And I think all three guys would have been deserving this. I chose Brady Kachuk just because... Like when you're talking about grit and determination and basically your number one player is out there fighting anyone who decides to take a crack at him or pisses him off. Like that's that's what Neil Dogg exemplifies. Like you, yep. you don't mess around with that. And Brady Kachuk did that all the way. But I mean, Nick Paul, this guy, he had a tilt too. He played hard every night. Austin Watson was an absolute king at blocking clutch shots. So either of these answers would have worked, but Brady takes the cake for me. 41.5% of you agreed, 33% Nick Paul, and 24.6% for Austin Watson. Connor Brown, you guys had him as the coach's pet, 60%. And Artem Zub, 
the stay home, save goals presented the most reliable defensive defense. And we could have also called this the Volchi, right? At the same time, Zub with 91% of that. And the fans of the year, well, it sends fans, no doubt. And we appreciate you listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. And if you haven't had enough when you hear us five times a week, we'd love to have you join us in the Locker Room. The Locker Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to me, other fans. Pillsy's in the Locker Room with me on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And there's insiders on there, too. You can go into a room with them in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news. You can also go in the live chat throughout so the people who are hosting the room, they can take your live input as the show goes on. So Locker Room's free. That's key. It's audio only, which is great. You just get a roll out of bed, throw it on, join a room, and you can talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Pilsy and I have been jumping on on Sunday morning. It's been a ton of fun. Sean Foyze even joins us and tests us with trivia every week. We love that. We can't wait for next weekend already. So you can join in on a conversation with Pilsy and I this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the locker room. Come with your spiciest takes. So download the locker map free in the iOS store or on Android now. Create a profile and follow at Ross Levitant, at Brandon Pillar, and you'll be notified when we go live. It's the locker room. It's interactive radio, changing the way we talk sports. Guys, it seems like the summer weather is finally here, so get out and enjoy it. And when you're being active outside, make sure you got some energy, some protein with you. And not just any any energy or protein, get something that tastes delicious too. Why not reach for a Built Bar protein bar? It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They will fool you. 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate with nut, 8 chocolate nut-free Everything is soft and easy to chew. That's why I love the Built Bars. Chocolate lovers, don't you fear. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, a full chocolate layer on every single flavor. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And now for Pillsy's pick of the day, we get an exciting new flavor coming back. Well, it's not new, but it's coming back into rotation because this was one of those flavors that was so good. It was a limited time flavor and it sold out almost instantly. I'm talking about a celebration here, Ross. Let's get the birthday cake with sprinkles flavor. And I said, it's covered in 100% chocolate. Well, maybe you're thinking, Birthday cake with sprinkles covered in in milk chocolate. That's not going to taste right. Well, this one is white chocolate. They never said what kind of chocolate, but 100% white chocolate. And like, what's better than a birthday cake, a guilt free birthday cake that you could eat every day that gives you some protein, the built bar way. So how are you going to get these built bars though? Head to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Guys, it doesn't have to be your birthday for you to enjoy a discount on birthday cake with sprinkles built bar. All you got to do is go to builtbar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 because you're a listener of the Locked On Senators podcast. And in reward, happy birthday to you. 15% off your next order. Go try them today. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. BuiltBar.com. All right, Pilsy. I'm sure many listening to today's show are Ottawa Senators fans, but not today. Today, you are a Vancouver Canucks fan. Pilsy, why? 
Well, if you guys didn't know, the NHL playoffs are going on. They're they're in full swing. But don't forget about the NHL regular season. And for people saying that these are meaningless games, the lottery odds are going to be affected by this final game of the regular season, Calgary and Vancouver. And if you head to Tankathon, you're going to see that the Ottawa Senators have 10th best odds at number one and number two, but right ahead of them is Vancouver. So Vancouver needs to win this game. They need to get two points here. They're one point ahead of the Sens, but if they tie the Sens, the Sens have more regulation wins and that will bump them ahead. So we're talking about a 2% swing here in the lottery odds. It might not sound like a lot, but that could be a big difference here. So we're cheering for Canucks all the way. We need those two points for the Vancouver Canucks Sens fans. And they're 2-0-1 in their last three games to even get us to this conversation. What I love about it most is that it would guarantee Ottawa a top 10 pick, no matter what. That's key. And at this point, you know, Ottawa's done playing. They've got that nice red number on Tankathon because they won seven of their last 10, if you haven't been keeping track, and 10 of their last 14 games of the season since the trade deadline. So when you look at... This is just bonus, right? Their sends are already done, so why not cheer for the best outcome? Does any part of you play into account that if Vancouver loses, then Ottawa doesn't finish last in the division? Uh, I mean, that's nice, but I'll, I'll take the percentage over the pride of finishing sixth in the Canadian division instead of seventh. I'll take the percentage. So as it stands right now, the Senators have a 7.3% chance of a top two pick. If Vancouver wins today, that bumps up 2% to 9.3 and their chance at getting first overall bumps from 3.5 to 4.5 so still a long shot yes but i think the best way to qualify it is if the canucks win the ottawa senators are guaranteed a top 10 pick in the national hockey league drafts we'll be watching that at 3 30 pilsy how awesome is the nhl schedule today I'm going to be locked into the Vancouver Canucks game. I sigh as I say that because we've seen such great playoff hockey and the intensity just isn't the same. The quality of teams isn't the same, of course, with these two missing the playoffs altogether. But we're getting 3.30. We're getting 6.30, 8, and 10. This is a perfectly staggered schedule. Ross, even more staggering, too, because as Sens fans, so like you said, 3.30, 6.30, then 7 o'clock for your Belleville Senators, then 8 o'clock Preds Hurricanes, and 9 o'clock Jets Oilers. That starts tonight. And then, yeah, the final game is Blues Avalanche. So get whatever work you got to do done. Get your workout. Go outside with your built bar. Take a hike. Get the legs moving. And then hop onto the couch from 3.30 all the way to... All the way till tomorrow, past midnight, <laughs> you can be on your couch watching hockey all day long. It doesn't get much better than that. Before we talk some playoffs, we'll also hit you with Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day coming up a little bit later. We've got an awesome day in Sens history. Maybe the, the best day. You could argue game Probably. three, but they're already down 2 nothing in the uh, Stanley Cup finals. But that game three, the first went home. They won 5-2. That was awesome. But how did they get to that cup final? Daniel Alfredson. 14 years ago today, reached legend status. A one-on-three rush in overtime. Now, during the initial part of the pandemic, that game was on one of those like um, vintage highlight games. TSN or Hockey Night Canada played it in its entirety. And I locked into that. And some of the things I noticed, man, like Chris Neal at that point in his career was running around every shift and making an impact physically. He laid like four or five huge hits in that game. And you got to remember 
the history. This was the year where he dummied Chris Drury, never suspended, by the way, Chris Neal, but that started that whole Ray Emery, Marty Biron, Andrew Peters line brawl. So this was later that season. They're in the playoffs, and Buffalo had beat them the year before. The only thing that wasn't uber climactic about this moment, Pilsy, is that it was game five, right? Ottawa still had a stranglehold on the series. It was 3-1, and, you know, you're feeling good either way. But at a, on a Sunday afternoon, I can still remember where I was. What a, what a moment when Alfie beats Ryan Miller. Yeah, that's that's one I'll always remember too, and it's it's kind of it's kind of similar to today. Like it's a it's a beauty day out, but there's playoff hockey on. I, obviously, I'm going to be on the couch watching hockey, and I think I told this story last year, so I'll st- tell a short story this year. I was at my family cottage on the lake, beautiful day. Everyone's on the boat, swimming, having a good time, and they keep coming in. Like when are you coming outside? Like this is a sweet day. Like you're up next for wakeboarding, like all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, just skip me. Like the Sens are about to beat the Buffalo Sabres here on an, a nice afternoon game I'm in the cottage just locked in everybody's having fun outside and that was one of the best hockey watching experiences of my life getting to see that goal scored so I don't regret that for a second Buffalo actually opened the scoring in this game in the second period 0-0 after the first four minutes into the second it's Johan Hesch that opens it but then like how perfectly succinct is it that the three goal scorers in a 3-2 win to send Ottawa to the Stanley Cup final, Danny Heatley, then Jason Spezza, and then the captain in overtime. Pilsy, bonus trivia for you right here. We got the answer to yesterday's trivia coming up at the end of today's show. But who assisted on that Daniel Alfredson goal to send the Senators to the Stanley Cup final? That's tough. My brain doesn't work as well as you do, yours does. Uh, I'm going to go, for, for some reason... Was it Redden? No, he had an assist on the game opening goal by Danny Heatley. Ah, yeah, that was that's three my point best night guess. for Heater. So that'll be a little hint for you. That was Heater then. Well, he had one of them. Spezza and must have had the other one. Nope, nope. It was Andre Mazaros nice. getting, the, getting the secondary assist there for the Ottawa Senators. So what a great moment. Tweet us at, at Send Central. Reply to the episode tweet. We want to know where you were that moment because if you're watching on tv it was so strange because i obviously had to change the channel to get the sports net back then the game was on nbc i believe and they cut out the moment the puck went in the net because it already went to overtime they cut out and they're like all right now we got an hour of preakness coverage before the uh the horse race and you're like no the Sens are going to the stanley cup finals yeah and the worst part about that is you don't get to see alfie and the boys hugging in the corner with all the sabers fans just giving them the finger i remember just being like wow these guys are pissed it's like 20 sabers fans just just flipping them the bird after and uh felt pretty good for us Sens fans yeah and you'll remember that night there's some great coverage of the team getting back and the streets lined with Sens fans to welcome back it was almost a shame that they won in five though, right? Yeah, I, I kind of sigh when when I bring it up, but it almost sucked, ironically, that they won in five games because that Detroit-Anaheim series went seven games and Ottawa was sitting there waiting for two weeks. The anticipation was great in the city and the build-up City Hall sends mile and all that. But you finally got to the final and you had rest versus rust debate and it turned out to be rust because those first two games in Anaheim were not what the doctor ordered. Yeah, I mean, in the playoffs, like, 
I think I can't think of a single time where a team has rested and that's worked out for their advantage. Like in the playoffs, you want to keep like keep the adrenaline going. Don't let those battle scars kind of start start feeling like they're healing and really hurting. Like just keep banging bodies, just keep things going, keep the adrenaline up. I think that's always best. So for for me in the playoffs, I don't like the rest. I think the sooner you can get to the next series or like the less time in between series, the better. It's a shame we're not going to get any playoffs in the American Hockey League this season because I think these Belleville Senators are starting to peak at the right time. Currently on a franchise record seven-game win streak, and I believe it's back to Mad Sogard tonight for the Belleville Sens. They're playing two games against the Toronto Marlies, a team that just lit up Carey Price on Monday during his conditioning stint. But what are you hoping to, to get out of these final two Belleville games? Is there any player that you're keyed on who needs a strong finish? Unfortunately, it looks like Logan Brown is still out with injury. He hasn't been ruled out for tomorrow's game, the season finale, but he won't play tonight. Philip Gustafson has been ruled out for both. I think that's for the best. Like He's played a lot of hockey this year as well, going back to his loan in the Alston League before uh, the AHL and NHL started up. And you get one extra look. I believe they'll split. It'll be Sogard one night and Mandeleze another. But yeah, is there any storylines in particular players you're going to be watching for to finish strong? Well, I was going to say, I hope they do what the Sens did and finish hot. But I mean, they just broke a franchise record, seven straight wins. So they're already doing that. So I, I hope they can continue that. If you can finish the season off with nine straight wins, like it, it's hilarious. The difference of the start of the season for both these teams, Aros, eh, like the start for both Ottawa and Belleville was absolutely atrocious. And then the finish is just incredible. So if they can keep that going, I would love that. Now that Robbie Arventi got his first AHL points, two goals and an assist, the dam is going to burst. Like I said, he's going to be feeling hot. He's going to be on the power play. I think we can see Robbie Arventi continue to light the lamp here. And you, you know what else I want to see continue to stay hot? I want to see Parker Kelly keep doing what he's doing out there. Not just scoring goals, getting assists, but sticking up for his teammates. Like just being a classic shift disturber. Like like you were talking about Neil in uh, the 07 playoffs. Just be a shift disturber and I'm going to love that. So those are the two guys I'm really going to be keyed on is uh, Parker Kelly and Robbie Arventi. It looks like a one horse race for the scoring lead, or should I say a one shark race? Because Igor Sokolov has it right now with 23 points, 14 of those goals in 33 games. Vitalia Bramov in second with 19. So he's got an outside chance. He's also played 10 less games, though, because of his time on the taxi squad and in the NHL. And then we got a two way tie for third between Parker Kelly and Logan Shaw, the captain of this Belleville ship. But speaking of leadership, I want to give some stick taps to Troy Mann and what he's been able to bring together in this group. And I think that it's a sign of things to come. You look up and down and there's still a lot of guys who are deep into the minuses. It looks like uh, mid-January on, on the uh, plus minus side. But at the same time, those were so much so in the first games of the season. Like Lassie Thompson, the stats will show him as one goal, 12 points and minus 10 in 33 games. But I think over the last 15 or 20 games, I know from the games that I've watched, he looks like he's gaining confidence and gaining traction out there. So I wouldn't put too much stock into the written, like the numbers this year, so much as the growth and how players are starting to work for each other. And really as a developmental year, this one, especially with no playoffs at the end of the road, this is, I would say leading towards a successful season for Belleville, especially when you consider how bad they were at the start of the year. Yeah, I would agree. I would say overall it's been a success. Uh, maybe but one not of the, great. Yeah, that's the thing. Like 
like they could have done better. That's for sure. If that uh, start didn't happen so poorly, but like all the guys are starting to click. This is just guys getting used to things, getting the chemistry. Like this is this team, like compare the lineup at the end of this season to the lineup at the end of last season. And it's almost an entirely different crew. Like maybe, I don't know, three or four guys are still there. So the amount of turnover that's happened here. And yeah, like you said, stick taps to Troy, man, like that's not easy dealing with what he has to deal with. Like every, on any given night, he has no clue who's going to be in his lineup and he's meeting new players that are going to play top minutes for him. So it's, it's a tough job for him. And I think they did all right. Five out of their top, 14 scores were on the team last year. Yeah, so a lot of turnover. No doubt about that. I, I mean, with points per game, it'd be a bit different. Logan Brown with nine points in 13 games, but at the same time, like, I hope he gets into at least one more. But that'd be a fun topic throughout this offseason. Pilsy, as we move into some playoff talk, some sends abroad, and the answer to our trivia question, let's go to Bet Online to get those odds for you for your playoff parlay of the day now bet online is the number one sponsor of the locked on podcast network our our number one sports book and we're loyal to them because they hit our listeners with the best of the best when it comes to welcome bonuses you can go to betonline.ag right now sign up today for your free account and when you do use the promo code locked on to receive that 50 percent welcome bonus so you put in 200 dollars, bingo bango bongo hundred dollars right there in your account, you put in a hundred, that's 50 free play dollars waiting right there for you. Pilsy, give these people somewhere to put that free play money because your parlay of the day, man, it's red hot. Yeah, it's been good. I was one game, one goal away from hitting it again last night. So the, the method to my madness is there. So I'm going to stick with things. Let's start in the Canadian division. The North division playoffs are getting started. Edmonton and Winnipeg playing tonight. I'm not really sure how game one's going to go, but after looking at their matchups in the regular season, Ross, I think it's fair to say the over of five and a half is going to hit. That's set at minus 119. So that's the first part of the parlay. Second part of the parlay here, it's the free spot on the bingo card. It's the Colorado Avalanche beating the St. Louis Blues. Now, the money line odds are minus 320. So that is wild. I don't think I would bet that uh, on its own, but we'll toss it into the parlay because I'm pretty sure the Avalanche are going to be able to handle the St. Louis Blues again after <laughs> what uh, game one looked like. And then, of course, Belleville still playing. Let's keep that winning streak going all the way to the end of the season. I'm taking Belleville Senators money line at plus 126. So let's get all three of those into the parlay. Winnipeg Jets, Edmonton Oilers over at five and a half. Colorado Avalanche money line and Belleville Senators money line. That's a three-team parlay. Put 10 bucks in and you're going to win $44.59. That is Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On Senators podcast wherever you download yours, whether it's Odyssey, Google Play, Spotify, or on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on social media as well, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram and Send Central on Twitter. All right, Pilsy, the playoffs are in full swing. We've already got some 2 nothing series leads. We had more close games. In Vegas's case, a rookie taking a bad penalty. Let's start there. Tim Stutzel would never do that 
Yeah, that was a tough one for sure. But hey, I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. And I don't like that Minnesota team looks so much better than I gave them credit for. I'll be honest, but you, they can't beat Marc-Andre Fleury. Like this guy is absolutely clutch in the playoffs and he's showing it once again. So I think Minnesota Wild, they're putting up a good fight here, but I don't anticipate they're going to be able to beat the Golden Knights. It's going to be close, but this Vegas Golden Knights, like I said the last couple of times, they got a chip on the shoulder and they got something to prove here this year. Yeah, it was Kirill Kaprizov taking a tripping penalty down a goal with a minute and a half left and then they ultimately put it away to tie the series at one. I'm glad you brought up Flurry though. His 15th consecutive season starting a game in the playoffs. It's truly remarkable. And when you look back, speaking of the day and sense history that it is, the first round of that playoff, Ottawa-Pittsburgh, was Marc-Andre Fleury's first ever postseason game. So talk about going back in time, and now 15 years later, he's still dominating at the NHL level and Cam Talbot tipped his hat after game one. Of course, easier to do after the win. If you're a Cam Talbot and a one, nothing one in overtime, that was, but he says a first ballot hall of famer. And how can you disagree with that? Right? Yeah, I think you got to get him in for sure. And a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, he didn't really win those cups in Pittsburgh. It was Matt Murray, blah, blah, blah. But he was a big part of getting there. And I think, honestly, I think that's almost more of a hat tip to him that he was able to be like, you know what? I'm not the guy anymore. I'm going to support Matt Murray. I'm going to be a good teammate and I'm not going to make this issue about me. And that's how they were able to be successful. I'm sure if you talk to Matt Murray about it, he would tell you that uh, Flurry was a great teammate during all that. Cause it's not easy. And then to have your starting job taken away from you. And then you get shipped off to uh, an expansion team who let's be honest, I don't think any of us were expecting them to have the success they did. So that was probably tough for him, but he makes the best of a tough situation and he continues to be successful. And to any haters who are going to say that about Flurry, go back and watch the 2009 playoffs where he led the Penguins to a Stanley Cup, earned all 16 wins to get there, made one of the best saves in playoff history in the final game to win that cup. A slide across, I think it was Datsuk Zetterberg, and he went, it was a huge, huge uh, blocker save uh, at the Igloo. What a throwback, uh, Barn, that is in, in Pittsburgh. But Man, speaking of the Penguins, we can get into that game, but what? whose idea was it to wear those yellow jerseys? Those Their black ones are some of the best in the league. I actually don't mind the yellows, if I'm being oh. honest, but uh, yeah, the, the black ones are good too. No, I'm not a fan of those ones at all, especially you got a pretty good team there in Pittsburgh. You got to look the part, and those yellow ones don't do it for me one bit. But that series is now tied at one because Tristan Jari actually stopped pucks in this game so they win two to one and uh, Jeff Carter gets the game winning goal. We'll talk about a, a deadline pickup doing their part. Now let's get to the best series. No doubt Tampa, Florida. It's a shame. It's two nothing based on the way this is playing out because now I could see this going back to Tampa and them really putting the throttle down and maybe even making this a shorter series than it could have been. Yeah, honestly, it really is a shame. And I, I think not having Sam Bennett was a big loss for them. And I also, Ross, I'll get your opinion on this. I was not a fan of going to Drieger game two. I thought Bobrovsky was not the reason they lost that game. Sure, uh, all the all the goalie haters are going to be like, he gave up five goals. You got you to gotta take him out. You can't do it. Well, come on. Like, you got to take a look at the situations. He made some big saves. And this is a guy you've invested, like, half a billion dollars in basically to be your goalie and you're not even going to give him a leash of two games in the playoffs 
I didn't like that move. And I think now you got a serious goalie problem. Like, do you go to Spencer Knight now? Like, what are they going to do? Honestly, the worst choices could be made than going to Spencer Knight. But when you look at Bobrovsky, this is a new brass with Bill Zito um, and, the, and the new crew that's managing things. So I think that it's tough for the owner to swallow. Although I, I think Vinny Viola is a pretty rich dude. Um, he can eat that, although it's not great. I would have started Drieger game one of the playoffs and, and then you can go to Bobrovsky, but Drieger was their better goalie all year. And there's no, no looking two ways that I don't think. And then Spencer Knight came in and won games down the stretch. So for Bobrovsky to get in and I, by all accounts, he's a hard worker. He's a great guy, but this team in Florida likes to open it up. And you saw a breakaway goal game winner in, uh, in game one uh, by, by Braden point when they're up a goal in the third period he had no chance on that power play goal that beautiful uh tick played from uh from kucherov to point in the the middle of the ice but i just think that once once you had drieger as a guy who can you know handle those back and forth whereas bobrovsky had his most success in columbus under torts who loves everything coming from the outside and bobrovsky can just focus on his positioning and then his athleticism the odd time but Drieger was was the guy who I would have rolled with. So uh, for me, the shocking decision was that Bobrovsky started game one. But if you're going to start him game one, I would have probably given him a two day, two game leash. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I, I can get with your uh, your ideology there. Drieger's better goalie, so get him in. But since yeah, since you started with Bob, because now now every goalie on that team is like, wow, I got a one game opportunity, and if we lose this game, no matter how many goals I let in, I'm done. So. I, I just don't like that mentality. It really cramps a goalie style. Like you ruin his confidence. And that's such a big part of goaltending in the playoffs. So I think they've they've created a situation here when they could have avoided it. And when you're up against a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, reigning Stanley Cup champs, the last thing you want to do is get in your own head. So it's going to be tough for Florida here. But Sam Bennett is back and he's going to be looking to make an impact after, I don't want to say it, but sort of losing two games for his team here, right? Yeah, he certainly did. And that way, and that put the Florida Panthers as the only team who's down 2 nothing so far, but there's a chance that could be extended tonight. The other two series, Golden Knights and Wild, are tied at one. Same score for the Islanders and Penguins. As we turn to tonight's action, after we get rid of the Flames and Canucks, we turn our attention to another series that's tied at one. And I think the Boston Bruins are in a great spot here because they got the split, but... They didn't play very well in either of those games. Tip your hat to Craig Anderson, of course, as we should. But the Bruins have another gear here. And I think if I'm the Capitals, I'm worried that I'm going to see their A game. And I don't know if they're prepared to handle that. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for the Caps, too. That's a tough team. So I think they're going to battle. But back in Boston, the fans are there. They're hungry for playoffs. They know this is a year where they can have a run here. Like last year, they didn't have Tuka Rask with them. Now they got their guy back and they got Taylor Hall. Brad Marchand's game winner was absolutely amazing. Like this team is ready to do it. And I just think, like you said, they're going to be too much for Washington to handle here. But I still got this series going to seven games, Ross. I got Bruins in seven still. Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a fun one to watch. Hurricanes beat up on the Preds. I think that one's going to be a quicker series. Same thing, I think, with the Avalanche are up one nothing on the St. Louis Blues. And the Canadian division starts their postseason tonight. It's the Jets and Oilers. What are you looking forward to most in tonight's game there? Goals, goals, goals. I got uh, the over in that game in Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. So that's the thing I'm most looking forward. But it's going to be great to see Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl come 
charging out of the gate. Like we're not going to see any fatigue, none of that. They're going to be going all firing on all cylinders. So I'm excited to watch those two produce some magic. If I'm looking in my crystal ball, I think Kevin Shovel Dayoff is going to be a little upset they didn't address that decor at the trade deadline and get another shutdown guy to try and handle those two absolute monsters. You think that they had a lot of points against Ottawa this year? McDavid actually had 22 points against the Jets, 21 against Ottawa. And I think there's another team. I think it was Calgary. We had also had 22 points against. Like He was just doing that to every team. And if you're an Ottawa fan, you're like, man, that was the best season anyone's ever had against us. Well, yeah, he did that to absolutely everyone. So it's going to be a treat to watch him. You're not worried with betting the over that you got Mike Smith there, the goalie with the best playoff save percentage in NHL history in between the pipes tonight? Well, that's the thing. Like, and then you got Connor Hellebuck, Vesna winner on the other side of that. So it could end up that way, but I just think it's going to be run and gun for game one. And then they're going to settle in after that. I'm, I just, I don't see how Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid don't come out just absolutely on fire and get three points each. That's what I'm anticipating, Ross. We're going to be looking forward to all that and to break it all back down to more, including the Belleville Senators. And we're a day closer to Friday, which means our interview with a former Ottawa Senator is right on deck. Before we go, the answer to the trivia question from yesterday, who are the 11 players who have played in over 500 regular season games for the Ottawa Senators? Pilsy, do you want to take a stab at it? All right, I'll take a stab at it here, Ross. And I think I would say the... I'm pretty confident I can get eight here. Like right off the bat, Chris Phillips, like he's played the most games in Sens history. And then only one game behind him is Daniel Alfredson. And then Chris Neal, obviously. So those three are the easy ones. Well, yeah, you're rounding up the thousand game club. Exactly. All three of them with over a thousand games. And then we talked about him today, Wade Redden. That's a guy that he spent a lot of time in a Sens uniform. His best days were there. That's for sure. Then Definitely the pizza line was a big part of Sense history. So Jason Spezza, heater's got to be close. Nope. Not, Not quite even there. Close, actually. Not even close. He's uh, he's right beside Peter Schaefer and uh, 14 games more than Mark Mathot. Okay. I thought he was going to be up there a little more. I guess uh, his days didn't last too long in Ottawa, although – 50 and hey, you got to think long. You got to think longevity here instead of quality of the games. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, well, I mean, Eric Carlson, there's yep. an easy one. Chris Kelly. Yep. Yep. Kelly is uh, number 10. So there's only one player between Kelly and whoever finished 12th outside of the 500 game mark. Another guy in that wheelhouse, Mike Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Fisher's in there. What about Hosa? Hosa make it? Hosa's close. Hosa is number 12. He is the player who's played the most games under 500 in uh, Sens history. He's at 467. Mm, Okay. Yashin's got to be there. That guy was a crucial part of the Ottawa Senators early years. (laughs) 504. So he's last. So you still have two remaining. Yeah, I think these are the toughest ones. Uh, One I don't think is as tough as you think. Smitty. Smitty, exactly. 612. So he's in ninth, and he's obviously more of a recent guy. I don't know if you're going to get the last one. Yeah, I think I'm tapped out here. You can just give it to me. It's Radic Bonk from ah. more of the original days and the original two day, 2D days, I should say. So the final list, Chris Phillips, Daniel Alfredson, Chris Neal, Wade Redden, Radic Bonk, Jason Spezza, Mike Fisher, Eric Carlson, 
Zach Smith, Chris Kelly, and Alexi Yashin. At dollars and cents, came closest. He was 10 for 11. He, like you, didn't get Radic Bonk. He had Marion Hosa in there instead. So thank you for playing our Tuesday trivia. We'll be back tomorrow for another fun edition of Locked On Senators. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.